Well, I was really getting ready to say what's up, YouTube. So so used to doing a YouTube show, but <laughs> this this is a podcast. And, you know, this is episode one of the Highlight Basketball Podcast. Um, you know, I first want to kind of just introduce what this show is generally going to be. Um, you know, I, I had the idea and, you know, first I want to say thanks to the fantastic Off The Ball Network um, and the owner, Chris LeBron, for reaching out to me and letting me be part of this amazing network and, you know, really believing in the vision that I had for a podcast show. And, you know, that's how I'm here today. But, um, you know, my vision going into this was really that the NBA is very difficult to keep up with. Like, even for the most, like, sincere fan, there's there's 30 teams and, like, <laughs> there's a draft of like a bunch of new players coming in so even if you're really dedicating a bunch of your time to like being a diehard fan like there is a lot of stuff that you're going to miss and that's why I really want to use this show to spotlight certain teams certain teams that maybe don't get uh, you know national attention as much and bring on guests or like writers and fans of those specific teams for podcast episodes. Um, so that's why it's the Highlight Basketball Podcast. We're going to highlight specific teams, but we don't exactly have a small market fan here with me today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got a Doves fan, um, but, yes, you know, I got to introduce my guest by saying, um, you know, he he actually let me onto his podcast and that was my very first like guest appearance or like dip into the podcast world. And I was so appreciative and I guarantee, like, from that moment, I let him know, like, you know, I actually, I'm not sure if I let you know, but, you know, I, I swore to myself <laughs> that you would be my very first uh, guest when I have my own show. So, you know, Brian Ruiz of the All the Hype podcast, um, you know, he's my guest today. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate the invite. Uh, you know, it's always cool working with you. I always had some really, really dope episodes mm -hmm. when you hopped on the All the Hype. Um, for those of you who don't know me, like you said, my name is Brian Ruiz. Um, I'm a huge Dubs fan. Uh, we'll get into some Dubs talk later on tonight, Absolutely. but I'm happy that you had me on as your first guest, man. It means a lot. Yep, yep. And just also for a little added context, we are recording like right after Golden State lost in, in game two. We're kind of going to save chill, that. Chill, <laughs> chill. We, we're we're, we're kind of going to save that for last. Um, and we're going to get to a few of the other series first, just to, to kind of let that marinate and and, you know, We'll, we'll let Brian get over those raw feelings about the game <laughs> that just ended. But I, I just want to, like, do a real, real quick, like, lightning round recap of, like, the series that have already ended because, you know, the second round is kind of a weird time to be debuting a, a podcast. But, you know, yeah. I still want to talk about a few of the, the teams that have had their playoff series end already. Um, you know, first, I got to say, I'm, I'm a jazz hater. So I absolutely, I absolutely need to like just dance on their grave a little bit. I'm real, I'm really enjoying this because, you know, Brian, like I was a guest on the show and, and I was, I swore like, you know, not a believer, like this is a phony team. I'm not afraid of their offense. Like I'll let guards switch on to go bear. He's not going to do anything against the mismatch and they're going to get beat by a small ball team again. And that's exactly how things went down. Um, and so I'm just you know, a gotcha on everybody, like called it. I absolutely 
I'm just doing the told you so on pretty much anyone that was a jazz believer. But I am genuinely looking forward to kind of seeing like what the next move is and how do they transition from here? Because I think at this point, like, like everyone realizes like it's got to be plain and clear for the front office as well. They can't just keep running this back. There has to be there has to be some kind of change. Like maybe maybe they decide that they won't make something like seismic. Maybe they don't even split up Donovan and and uh, and uh, go bear, but I think something's got to shake there. And I'm very curious to see what, what it ultimately will be. Um, you know, any, any jazz thoughts from you? Uh, I think it's funny. Cause literally <laughs> I haven't recorded in yeah. Full disclaimer here, you guys, to all of you that are going to be listening to this. Um, I've been super busy with school, with life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a little hard for me to hop on my own podcast and get some recordings out, but literally the last episode I made, with you we talked about <laughs> we talked about a lot of teams we talked about a lot of predictions for it and i literally had the jazz coming out of the west this Oof. year i figured you know it's it's time for this team to kind of learn from their mistakes from all the heartbreaks they've had in the postseason we we typically see these teams that you know go through all these rough patches kind of come out on the other side for the most part but yeah man you you called you called that shit that day. And you're like, nah, bro, <laughs> the jazz ain't going anywhere. And, you know, sure enough, the same recipe for, for the disaster last season happened again this year. And, and I'm with you, man. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see. There's already been those, you know, all those reports saying that, you know, go bears either yeah. him or him or me with, you know, with Donovan <laughs> Mitchell, whether that's true or not, you know, who yeah. knows, but one thing is for sure, there has to be changes. The The personnel is not correct on that team. There's no perimeter defense. You know, that that narrative that Royce O'Neal was this lockdown defender needs needs to stop. You know, we need to they, they desperately need some some wings and some size. And, you know, if they decide that they have to move on from Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of haul they get back in return for those guys. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna spring like a Rudy Gobert trade idea on you in a later segment. So All I'm right. just gonna I'm just gonna tease that for now. Um, <laughs> I'm moving on to a few of the other teams that have left us already. The Minnesota Timberwolves. I definitely want to touch on them because like I call I called it going into the season with them as well. Like I was a huge believer. I I grabbed a bunch of Timberwolves stock, you know, to start. Yeah, I definitely remember that discussion with you. Like we're believers in this team. Anthony Edwards is really good. And, you know, he made that kind of leap as a star even more this season. Um, I've been a believer in Carl Anthony Towns. And even though he did kind of get clowned in the playoffs, I I think that (laughs) that's kind of been like obscuring what was legitimately like an all NBA third team season from him so yeah you know I think they they have nowhere but up to go it's it, the West will stay competitive but I really like that team and you know Chris Finch has proved that he's a really good coach and th- like if they were a bit more serious they might be in the second round so you know shout out to the Timberwolves for for the season that they had yeah man I'm I'm with you 100% there um I had them making the playoffs that was kind of my surprise mm-hmm. pick uh before the season started I thought they were, and they were a phenomenal offensive team Um, when they needed to at times, you know, the addition of Pat Bev, whatever you think of them, the dude's a pest, you know, he, he gets after it. He brings a lot of energy to that team. And to be fair, they were up multiple times on the Grizzlies. Like, you know, you, you can argue they should have won that series four one easily. You know, but that's that's part of those struggles that I was saying with with Utah is that you have to learn how to close games out. You have to learn how to 
you know, not get too into the moment and, you know, keep composure and all that stuff that the great teams do. But I'm with you, man. I think the only direction is up for the Wolves. Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of rumors that have said that they might look into trading maybe D'Angelo Russell. We know, mm-hmm. you know, his relationship with Cat. Um, but they do have two stars there, at least. You know, they have Anthony yeah. Edwards. They have Cat. They have really good, solid foundation. Um, I really like McDaniels and Vanderbilt. They're hyper-athletic team. Um, so I think they're they're well-suited to just keep making progress. And who knows? Maybe they, they're in the market for, for a little better point guard than D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, they, they definitely got some trade chips. You know, while we're shouting guys out on the Timberwolves, like shout-out Jalen Noel. I'm a huge, huge Jalen mm-hmm. Noel fan. I'm, I, I love his Absolutely. game. Jordan McLaughlin, I think he's he's a solid guard as well. Um, you know, somebody's really gonna benefit from prying him off of that team eventually. I think. Yeah. So you know, M- Malik Beasley trade chip. I do think like you know maybe they could at least look into the market for D'Angelo Russell. So they they have some improvements that they can make. Absolutely. Another team that has departed us, the Pelicans. Oh man, oh, another. Man. T- what a what a fantastic season for the Pelicans as well. Yeah, man. They looked like they were lottery bound like the first month of the year. Like no Zion, Brandon Ingram was coming back from injuries. Like the fan base had no life. And like to see what things were like at the end of the year, like so so many props to go uh to Willie Green, to to Brandon Ingram, to CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, like. Jose Alvarado, like they, they had such a complete and like team effort, like an organizationally. And the fact that like they changed the culture so much, they kind of even brought Zion back into the fold from like (laughs) wherever he was hiding. Like, like he's, he's looked like he's at least, you know, making a genuine effort to really bond and be in on the chemistry of this team. And like, I don't think that's something that was happening before. So, you know, they're obviously moving in the right direction. So the, the Pelicans might have lost in the first round this year, but, you know, they were competitive with the best team in the entire NBA. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to add an all-star back next season. Yeah, no, I'm with you again, man. I, it was it was crazy to actually see that unfold yeah. because, like you mentioned, they looked like they were going to have the worst record in basketball mm-hmm. at the beginning. I think at one point they were – they started, I think, what, 1-10. They were 3-16, and 16, I think, at one point. Um, and just smart decisions by the front offense, you know, bringing in a guard like CJ McCollum that can, you know, get his own shot. He's a shot creator. Um, give, uh, Brandon Ingram a little bit more help, especially after that Zion injury. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, I, I really like Jonas Valanciunas. I personally, as a Warriors fan, I think he would be perfect on the Warriors. Um, but he's a big piece for them. I love their competitive spirit against the Suns. I can guarantee you the Suns were not comfortable at all in that series like i'm i'm positive that at one point or another they they're obviously not going to admit it they're they were the better yeah. team but at one point or another you know jose alvarado was yeah. getting on he was Chris in, Paul's yeah, nerves bothering he was him. huge man Brand, and brandon I love, ingram's a playoff player too 100 percent. and herb jones man i love herb jones he's a rookie but he's great defender i love you know i love the competitive nature that they had that one specific play where i think he was on the ground and chris paul tried to help him up and he was like nah mm-hmm. i'm gonna wait till my i'm gonna wait yeah. till my boy comes and picks me up like i love nice. that man like they're not gonna fold under the pressure they're not gonna fold just because they're playing against a hall of famer so yeah man the future's bright for the pelicans i'm i'm excited to see what they do uh zion said that you know he can't sign that extension soon enough so we'll see yeah. if he backs that up and actually signs it because 
I mean, people don't want to talk about it, but they the Pelicans had 27 points per game on 61% from the field just sitting on the bench. And who knows yep. how that opens up a series, you know? Yeah, that, that, that he slides right into like Jackson Hayes role. Like, absolutely. And Jackson Hayes was playing pretty well, too. So that him coming yeah. off the bench now, while we're shouting out Pelicans, I, I you know, completely forgot Trey Murphy, who, who's oh, yeah, he was a huge. bucket going forward. You, I, I love him, too. So, um, don't they also have, have, um, what's his name? Kira Lewis Jr. I think he had an ACL injury. So that's a young player that they have coming back from injury. I think they traded him coming. to Portland, actually. Did, did they? I know they traded Nikhil. Yeah, it was Nikhil got traded. Maybe it was Nikhil. Yeah, yeah, I think Kira's still still on the roster, but they they have a ton of young talent and you know a team of the future for sure. Um, Yeah, we're supposed to do this as lightning round, but um, (laughs) all good, all good. (laughs) The Chicago, the Chicago Bulls. Um, real quick on them, my my hometown team. I, I really. I wish things could have been better, but, you know, really by the time the playoffs had rolled around, like the injuries to Lonzo meant like the defense was going to be hurt. Caruso ended up going out during the series. Zach was, you know, struggling with, with injuries. And we later found out he was pretty much like playing on one leg and, you know, I'm I'm not going to say injuries as an excuse because I think, you know, fully healthy, they were going to lose to the Bucks. But Mm -hmm. the, the fact that Chicago and the Bulls, they really lost the steam they had early in the year because of injury is, is really disappointing. Um, you know, it's upsetting, but just kind of a sour taste in the, in the mouth for the end of the season. And, you know, not much else to say than that. Yeah, man. It's, it's always unfortunate when injuries are, you know, the biggest part of why, or one of the biggest parts is why mm-hmm. a team kind of doesn't perform up to par, but I think, you know, all in all their season could be considered a success. They made it back to the playoffs they brought kind of a better atmosphere back back to um, that arena in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have they have a solid team moving forward. You know, they need to get a little better on defense. But, you know, DeMar should be there again next year. Vooch, they got Levine. Hopefully he stays healthy. And they just had a terrible matchup for them in the first round. You know, Giannis was just there, – there's no one on that team that can stop Giannis. Um, few people in the league can stop Giannis, you know, so – um, we'll just see what they do in this offseason and see if they just decide to run it back or if they decide to make, you know, a bigger adjustment than that. Yeah. And they got investment from the fan base. You know, I'll say like I'm like I said, I'm in I'm in the city. I, I've seen the change. Like there's more Bulls advertising around the city. There's more people talking about the Bulls. And that's an exciting change considering where where the team has been the past few years. Um, but moving on to another team that's been eliminated, the Toronto Raptors. Um Another team that, like, you know, their playoff series really got ruined by injury. Fred Van Vliet goes down. Scotty Barnes misses games. Like, uh, Gary Trent Jr., the first two games, he was sick and he was playing terrible. And, like, he was, you know, great when he comes back. So, right. I think Toronto really had a chance at an upset in the first round. You know, I think there were, you know, a few people that did think this as well, but at the end of the day, I picked them as an upset. I thought they were going to be Philly, man. I thought it was a terrible matchup for them. They literally, their smallest players, like six, eight, and they all have, Mm -hmm. you know, besides uh, Fred Van Vliet, but literally everyone else is, you know, six, seven, six, eight, have a seven wing uh, wingspan, seven foot wingspan. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I think they're going to come back next year. Um, Masai Ujiri is usually making some solid moves. Um, but yeah, man, I, I had picked them to be a sleeper team in the Eastern mm-hmm. conference too. So uh, I'm happy that at least that selection c- kind of got far, but if, if the injuries didn't happen, you know, who knows and, and beat hit that really, really 
um clutch shot you know off one foot fading away for three for the win man Mm -hmm. you know what can you do yeah yeah a a team with like a lot of young talent as well you know pressure situa as a stretch big finding finding himself you know scotty barnes the the rookie of the year monster Um, Exactly, like OG Ananobi, who you know could still grow and develop some more. So he was hurt about. for a lot of the year too. Yep. And Pascal Siakam came yep. back really late too, and he he arguably had when he came back, he arguably had an All NBA type yep. season. Definitely, yeah, he he could have he could be All NBA as well. So you know, Toronto Raptors, they should be on everyone's radar after this season. And Scotty Barnes will only continue to impress. I was impressed by his showing in his very first playoffs, especially the fact. He was playing through some injuries. Um, Absolutely. Shout out, Scotty. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. Is that, <laughs> is, is that the last team? I tried to say. I think so. Guys. Oh, and the, the did we talk about the Hawks? Oh, yeah. I, let's, do, let's do the Hawks first. Um, not really much to say. I'm really yeah. disappointed <laughs> in Trey Young, you know, after a season where he led the league in total points and total assists for him to really have like that much of a underperformance in the playoffs yeah it was it was a tough scene um you know I get that the Miami Miami were a really good defense but at the same time like you know Trey was missing shots that Trey usually makes and there was some really bad shot selection moments from him where he was pressing and absolutely uh, you know I I think the the Atlanta Hawks they bought into their own hype from last year's playoff run Mm -hmm. um and you know they learned their lesson about that. So it's going to be interesting to see what decisions they make on that, on that team. Cause there are some key pieces that I think they should keep, you know, Onyeko Okongu, great defensive, uh, you know, centerpiece who, who could help anchor things going forward in the maybe post Clint Capella future. There's also DeAndre Hunter who, you know, I think they have some extension decisions on going um, into next year. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, interesting to see what the Hawks do. Um, you know, they could be a player for, for Rudy Gobert. So I was about to say that, man, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I think, I think he would be a perfect partner for, for Trey Young, you know, yeah. having him in the pick and roll mm-hmm. on those bobs. Um, but yeah, man, I, it's one of those things where teams never know when they're going to be back, you know, like they made mm-hmm. it to the, to the Eastern conference finals, uh, last year. Um, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, when reality really hits, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they bounce back from that. And I'm with you. Trey Young should have been a little better in the fir- in the first round, but Miami mm-hmm. really really clamped down and said, you know, mm-hmm. no one that whole offense is predicated on everything that Trey Young does. So they took yeah. him out of the game, and the entire rest of the team kind of fell apart. So yeah, yeah, not too surprising there. Yeah, and last but not least, uh, the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets. Wow, <laughs> wow. I mean, Man, what? Yeah, what can you say, man? What a what a season! Like not in the good way. <laughs> I I'm, I'm a little upset that I've seen so many people kind of like giving KD like let me not say a pass, but like I don't think he's really been getting criticized as much as some other like star players would like. Yeah, I could yeah I could not imagine like Steph Curry getting swept like that in that series, or mm-hmm. you know LeBron getting swept in that series like that, and then not facing like some serious backlash legacy slandering stuff and like you know KD did face some of that but like I think we need to talk about like them getting swept there like yeah that that game one was winnable if if KD plays better and and Kyrie was obviously played his part in that and you know it's not just those two they had size issues as a team just not being able to to defend Boston and you know Boston you know credit to them for the defense that they played on Kevin Durant but 
you're supposed to be Kevin Durant. So, yeah. you know, I need you to overcome a little bit of that, you know, a little more often and more consistently in that series. But they're a team with some interesting decisions for the future, especially with the whole Ben Simmons thing, which I don't even really want to get into, to be honest. We could, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah, there. that's that's no. a, that's an off season episode or something with with maybe like a Brooklyn Nets guest. So <laughs> you know, let's let's start transitioning into the <laughs> second round series, uh, starting sure. with the 76ers and the Heat. Um, you know, I the, the first thing that I really want to focus on is the the James Harden storylines. All of this. Mm-hmm you know, is James Harden going to step up in Embiid's absence? And, you know, I, I want to ask first, like, you know, what have, what have your thoughts been of James Harden's performances without Joel Embiid so far? I mean, they, they brought him to the team to be that partner with Embiid. So I think Harden's game really, like his playmaking, all those assists, half of them go to Embiid. You know, that pick and roll mm-hmm. is really hard to defend. Um, so not having him on the court kind of takes away uh, a dimension to James Harden's game. And we've seen it since the beginning of the season. He doesn't look as spry, whether that be, you know, him getting up there in age, whether that be, be you know, him being out of shape. Um, he, he can't beat people off the dribble anymore. Before, when it was, you know, one-on-one with James Harden, it was crossover, crossover, step back, and it's, you know, barbecue chicken every single time. But now it's just like, oh, you get a little into him. He's not able to to get around you, and it's more of him just drawing fouls. So in reality, I think he's not even the second most important player on the team as of right now. I think it's Tyrese Maxey. They don't have another guy like him that can, you know, be as explosive. He has that quick first step. He can get to the hoop. He can hit a couple threes. We saw that um, in the first round when he had that game against Toronto. I think he had like 36 or 38 points, Mm -hmm. had like, you know, six threes or something like that. So I think, and I just, from what I've seen from Harden, I think he's just been so inconsistent that I can't, I can't see him just kind of having like a breakout performance. Like he might have, you know, 20 points and like 15 assists. But to me, a lot of those numbers seem like empty stats to me because a lot of times it's like, unless Embiid's getting his, the Sixers don't have a chance. And especially against this Heat team, we saw it in this game. They need The Sixers need to bring it the entire game. They got that lead in the first half, game one. But then other than that, the Heat just kind of collapsed on the defense. They started making more shots. And before you knew it, they were up 10, 15, and they ended up winning by, by what, I think, like 18 or 20 points. So without Embiid, I really don't think they have a chance. They might get one in Philadelphia, if Embiid is not playing, maybe. But I, I think this series looks like it's going to be all Miami, especially with with Embiid out. Oh, okay. I mean, you. It's. I'm a little shocked. I think you were a little, little more pessimistic than than I am. Like, <laughs> you know, I will say, you know, there's going to be James Harden fans that that probably instantly uh, click off of this. But you know, I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not a believer in him in the biggest moments. You know, yeah, I no. think just. Mr. Two for 11. Yeah, having seen like him fold to the Spurs, like, you know, they didn't have Kawhi. Like those were moments that he had to step up and like he didn't. And like the Golden State series. And I get that those were like the best teams ever assembled. And like, I'm not trying to like fully knock him for losing to them because a lot of guys lost to them. But at the same time, like, you know, you're this guy that everyone's propping up is ranked higher than D Wade. And like, <laughs> 
Unreal. I need, I, yeah, I'm gonna need more from you if if we're gonna yeah. rank you over D Wade, like you know, like D Wade did it by himself. You know, he, exactly. he carried a team. Like, yeah, he he did it. He did it with Shaq, where when Shaq was the second best player. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm Shaq was past his his time. James uh, Harden yeah. has had some superstar teammates. Mm-hmm. James Harden has had a lot of like you know influence in where he plays. Absolutely, and, and you know, picking his own destination. So like. There's a standard he needs to be held to. And, you know, right now I, I sympathize with him because like it, to a degree, it genuinely looks like the hamstring has really held him back because, you know, even last season when he was still with the Nets, like there was a point where we were talking about him as an MVP candidate. Yeah. And, you know, then he ends up getting the hamstring injury and, and things go downhill from there and he, he doesn't look the same, but, you know, at the same time, you force your way out of Brooklyn and now you, you know, got Philly in a situation where, they're considering paying you 50 million per season, you know, for, for a couple of years, like we need to have serious (laughs) conversations about your play and your decline. You know, I think he's done a good job as a playmaker in this series and through the playoffs, but like, that's not entirely why you were brought here. Like they need more from him. yeah, Yeah. Like you're supposed to be a legitimate second option, like a legit second scoring option. And it feels like, you know, I'm with you. I trust Maxi to get it done offensively a little bit more. And, you know, I think that's a little bit unfair because, you know, in watching Maxi, he also benefits from, uh, you know, the, the spacing that he gets playing with James Harden playing with Joel Embiid. So, you know, it's, it's not entirely fair to make that judgment, but, you know, that's just kind of where I am right now when it comes to James Harden. Yeah. They, they brought him on to, be able to take over a game in the case that Embiid wasn't there, or even if Embiid's just having a bad night, you know, you mm-hmm. was to say, I'm James Harden. I, I can get this done. And it's funny. You brought up those Rockets teams. Cause even back then, you know, they did play, you know, arguably one of the greatest teams ever assembled, but at the same time, those specific Rockets teams, if I'm not mistaken, they specifically said we were built to beat the Warriors yeah, and yeah. they never they never got it done. And obviously that's not all on James Harden, but he's laid some eggs in in the playoffs. And I don't know if that gets better in these playoffs. Um, I do agree with you that ever since that hamstring issue, mm-hmm. um, he hasn't looked the same. Um, hamstring issues are tricky. They linger. So he could just be playing hurt. And, you know, it might just be part of, you know, who James Harden is now. But and in reality, he doesn't really have a lot of options on that Sixers team. You know, we saw it in this game one. Niang came off the bench, went 0 for 7. Matisse Thybul is a non-factor on offense. You know, you bring him in to, to D someone up, but is he capable of making a shot? Probably not. Tobias played pretty well. He was like 11 of 18, like 20-something points. Um, do you expect that from him every time? No, because he's inconsistent. So they really don't have a lot of options and you know, they traded away a lot of their depth with Seth Curry, with Drummond, with, you know, guys like that, that could have at least been a little bit more serviceable maybe in these matchups. Um, but yeah, man, I don't, I don't think they have a chance if, um, if Embiid isn't healthy, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely have some concerns about the, like the team construction going forward, like in general in the future, because I mean, Tobias Harris, that's another example of like a guy who's on a max, max contract and he's what your fourth option you know, like solid player, but I just think this team is built so strangely. And like, you know, the front office 
right now has to deal with so many mistakes of past front offices yeah uh, you know and, and different guys and like decisions that were made with this team from like you know letting jimmy go and like everything that's happened with ben and you know some of the draft picks that were made during during those tanking years it's 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 just a weird mess of a team and i honestly don't love miami's half court offense but like the fact that philly has looked so unserious you yeah. know I, I do see a pathway that you know they're gonna end up in the, the conference finals I, I think if i'm philly i'm still at least a little hopeful because i think you've played it close enough these past two games like no joel that i do think like his return shifts some things like they they've missed they've missed some some shots like I'm, I'm looking at the box score now. Danny Green, one of five from three. Tobias Harris, one of four. Like, if you just cut out DeAndre Jordan, like, you you might win. You might win <laughs> that game. Like, DeAndre Jordan was, what, a negative 22 in 17 minutes? Like, That's insane. Those are decisions you can't. I mean, <laughs> we've already gotten a quote from Doc that he's not going to stop playing uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, that's wishful thinking on my part. But, like, <laughs> these are decisions. Like, they don't have great great choices when it comes to their bigs but like no wow he's he's not what i'd go with um and you know doc is even another factor in all of this where it's like it just makes it very hard to believe in the philadelphia 76ers chances going forward with the mb sideline right now yeah man i'm with you i just it's hard to see this sixers team being serious enough to be able to lock in for an entire game let alone multiple games strung out together with good performances. You know, mm-hmm. I think we, we know we talk about as basketball fans, we talk about, um, you know, the culture and the heat culture and stuff you know, that stuff is real, man. Like Spolstra doesn't play around. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley doesn't play around. You know, we, Jimmy Butler for all his antics. Sometimes Jimmy Butler doesn't play around. Like he's trying to win. And those all those guys down in Miami are, if they have one thing in common is that they're all trying to win. And if they need to dial down, they might not be able to make a lot of points. They might not be able to get a lot of shots off, but if they need to clamp down and dial in, I I'm going to go with Miami being able to do that for a game and more than that, than, than the Sixers. Yeah. And, and focusing a little more on Miami, you know, do you view them as, as title contenders? I mean, because we've also haven't even seen Kyle Lowry back. He's been out, uh, you know, since like midway through that Hawks series. And, you know, he's he's got a hamstring injury. We won't really get to see what he's like coming back because it seems like reports are that he's not playing in the next game. And, you right. know, they, they also have an injury thing looming over them. And, you know, do you still see them as a title contender with with everything that they've got going on right now? I mean, I don't want to rule them out as a title contender, but to me, whoever comes out of that, Bo- and I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but mm-hmm. whoever comes out of that Boston-Milwaukee um, series to me is going to be the team that's going to get to the finals. Um, is there a path for Miami to get there? Yes, we've seen. Like right mm-hmm. now, uh, the Bucks don't have Middleton. You know, if he comes back, how does he look? If, you know, if they even get past the Celtics, um, who knows, man? Like they're gonna be a tough out. Like they're not gonna be. They're not gonna roll over. They're not gonna fold. I, I don't see Miami getting swept by either of those teams. Um, I remember late in the season there was a game that I think Miami went into Boston and beat them in a really tight contest. 
Um, so can, can they beat one of those teams? Yes, but I think my money would be on either Milwaukee or, or Boston. Um, but that's not to say that they can't get it done. Yeah, I'd lean towards agreeing. Like, you know, I think the getting Kyle Lowry back will obviously help them. Um, and, Absolutely. you know, it seems like Marcus Smart is now dealing with something for the Celtics. So, yeah, you know, there's there's injuries all over the place in, in, the, in the conferences. So it'll be interesting to see with Miami. But I also generally don't really think they're, they're going to come out of the conference. I, I agree. Whoever wins that that Bucks Celtics is, is probably going to be the one who ends up walking away with the, the Eastern Conference crown because, I agree. you know, those those two are heavyweights. Like I believe in, in kind of what they can do defensively. And then they have guys, you know, at the top of, of you know, what they're doing who are stars like Jason Tatum and we'll get into that series. So, you know, um, as, as far as Miami, like Jimmy Butler, really, really good player, like really, really good player. Bam Adebayo, really, really good player. Kyle Lowry, really, really good player. But I don't see any of those guys being like the best player in the series. Like if they were to match up, you know, with, you know, like even right now, like I, I think with Joel Embiid out, like that's the reason they have, have the best player in the series, but you know, I'm 100%. curious, especially with, um, you know, how James Harden is playing lately. How would you rank it as far as like who has the best player in this in this uh, Miami versus uh, Philly series right now? Is Joel's injured. How would you rank it? You know, I'm, I'm sure like Jimmy is the best player in the series. Bam, probably second. Yeah, um, I'd probably go like, yeah, if, if, Joel, third. if Joel was playing, then 100 percent, he's number one. Mm-hmm. I'd go Jimmy Butler because of his two way game at number two bam number three um and honestly like i want to go harden number four just because he's james harden but i might go maxi then harden at this point um but you know harden could be the be- the second best player in this series but i don't know i just i just need to see that from him to be able to rank him right there but um i'll put i'll put him at four just for the simple mm-hmm. fact that he's james harden and i have a little respect for what he's done in the league but Besides yeah. that, he he hasn't showed me much. Like I, I think he's giving enough. Like as far as playmaking, like he's yeah. had some moment. Like he had a moment where like I think he he got the uh, step back three, got going over somebody. He looks like nice. He looked nice on some couple drives to the rim. So you know, give Harden his props um, as far as that. And I really do think Maxi is benefiting from like you know attacking bent defenses that are that are kind of like slanted towards you know whatever James Harden is doing. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, it's similar with like Jordan, what Jordan Poole is doing, benefiting yeah. from, you know, playing with, mm-hmm. with those guys on, on the Warriors. But, you know, yeah. I need to see a little more from Harden. He's not he's not giving me 50 million a year type of performances. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> OK, so I said to pretty much wrap up this series. You know, let me get let me get your overall thoughts on kind of, you know, how these teams match up and, you know, your predictions on what the series will end like. And um, because I don't know when Embiid's going to come back, supposedly he said maybe game three or four. That's pretty mm-hmm. vague to me. Um, I almost feel like he has to come back if they're down 2-0, um, heading back into Philly. If he does and he looks every bit of himself, I think I'm still going to pick Miami in six. If he doesn't come back, if he just plays maybe one game, I think I'm going Miami in five, um, potentially even a sweep. But um, as of right now, I don't know 
like like all of us we don't know exactly when he's coming back if he's coming back how he's gonna look i think he's wearing the mask mm-hmm. um i don't i don't know how much that's gonna affect him and who knows maybe dude drops 45 and 15 True. you know <laughs> and we call, start calling yeah. him mass mass bead um but when the way things are right now it just mm-hmm. it's hard to see the sixers team kind of getting a rhythm that benefits them so yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go miami in six yeah, I, I lean that way too. And, you know, I think Embiid coming back, you know, maybe maybe game three, like might shift my thinking to, to Philly in seven, you know. So I think it could potentially be close because I, I I do think like Philly found somewhat of a blueprint to work with, like without Embiid playing. Like when they played small, like the minutes weren't that bad, I think. Yeah. Paul Reed, I think he was, was uh you know, okay for a rookie, you know, in this series. So you know, maybe trusting him a little bit more. I, you know, I know he commits some silly fouls, but, you know, George Niang at the five, like during some of that, uh, you know, dead run, like I think Philly found some things. So, you know, maybe trying him at the five, Tobias at the five, instead of having to rely on DJ might shift some things. But the fact that Doc Rivers is, is the Sixers head coach just generally leads me to believe <laughs> they're going to get out coached by Eric Spolster and the, the series will end in like, five or six games for the Miami Heat just you know because Spolster is that good and yeah. you know with Embiid out I just don't really trust overall too much what what the Sixers have going on and that's that's really unfortunate given the year Embiid just had that that it's ending like this I agree man 100% hard to win when your best player is not out there yeah yeah and like injuries have been a huge storyline of of his career through the regular season and I think they've also been a huge factor in like their playoff exit because you can look back every every single year like there's there's some nagging injury that Embiid is playing through during the playoffs and like he's he's a tough dude and you know it sucks to see this happen to his team and I I genuinely am am kind of rooting for them to to overcome this and and make it to the uh, conference finals because I I think he deserves that after this MVP season that he probably won't get the award for. Hundred <laughs> percent, I agree. Yeah, yeah, but uh, transitioning into the next series, I I actually want to get into the Bucks versus the Celtics because this series has been like you know two great defenses matching up, yeah. and you know it's kind of been a you know who who stacks up better like in in styles for defense, and you know there's. There's going to be a lot of adjustments, I think, on both sides potentially with, with how these players can defend and and uh, how they can deploy deploy their players and schemes. Because, wow, like Milwaukee, they make it really hard to yeah. you know get anything at the rim. Like they are they are suffocating. But you know they're giving up open threes in game one. Like it was you know a lot of those threes they weren't necessarily falling for mm-hmm. for uh, Boston, but. Oof, did that change in game yeah, two? Because, tonight man, was rough for Milwaukee, man. Yeah. They gave up a ton, a ton of open threes. Just about everything. I mean, what? They gave up 20 points to, to Grant Williams. And like, I think, what was he, like three or four threes or something? Like, yeah, Jalen Brown had 25 at the half. And he was yeah. like, he was yeah. like eight of nine from the field. He was, shoot, he was shooting ridiculous, you know? And that's yeah. sometimes, man, I think sometimes we tend, as basketball fans, we tend to overcomplicate things, but it may be just, as simple as if you make your open shots, you're going to win the game. You know yeah. what I mean? In the first yeah. game, the Bucks really made the Celtics defense look kind of average. You know, it wasn't an efficient game for anyone. Giannis was like nine of 25. 
Drew Holiday, he still got his triple-double. Um, Drew Holiday was pretty inefficient um, first game and this game as well. They're really missing Chris Middleton because that's that's their guy, man. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that they can go to. And it's like, all right, late in the shot clock, there's seven or eight seconds left. We can find Middleton and have him, you know, try to get a, a contested two or just, you know, try to create his own shot. And without having that, they lose a dimension of their offense. And we saw today, you know, they kind of – clamp down on Giannis and I really like those Grant Williams minutes and Al Horford minutes on Giannis Grant Williams is a lot smaller than Giannis but the dude is strong he is sturdy and it's Mm -hmm. hard to move him and you know we saw that there was a lot of times where Giannis got called for an offensive foul um or it was just a contested shot and that's sometimes what you have to do with Giannis he's still gonna get his he's still gonna put up 25 plus with 15 rebounds but with great players like that the best thing you can do is just make it difficult for them and today the Celtics did that they were able to hit a ton of their shots um I think if they're going to insert Derek White into the starting lineup um with this Marcus Smart injury I think he needs to be a little bit better that's that's essentially why they brought him Mm -hmm. on the team you know to kind of take um that pressure off of Marcus so he doesn't have to play all those heavy minutes um today he was he was eh, you know, he was all right, I guess, you know, there was, he had three fouls in the first half, got his fourth one, literally having to take foul when they were up 20. So like things like that, um, little things that he can fix. Uh, maybe he wasn't expecting to kind of be a starting player for the Celtics, but um, yeah, man, those adjustments heading back into Milwaukee is going to be very, very fun to see. Um, especially given the fact that the Bucks, you know, stole home court with that game one win, you know, and, same thing could happen in Milwaukee. I could see the I could see the Celtics winning one. Um, I know we're gonna talk about our predictions a little later on, but I, I really, really think this this series is gonna go the distance. Yeah, I, I tend to agree and and like wow, like I again given given the, the Celtics credit for like the amazing defense they're playing on star players because you know Giannis got to 28 points, but that box score is deceiving because they yeah. were clamping that man up Absolutely. in the first half and like you know, he got off in the third quarter. I think he had like 16 of his 28 in the third. But yeah. like, you know, Giannis not getting double digits in the first half is not something like, you know, I'm sure ESPN stats and info probably posted on, on Twitter tonight that like, you know, uh, how far back you'd have to go to find Giannis scoring less than 10 in the first half of a playoff game. I think like, he was like one of nine in the first quarter. Dude. He was just, yeah. they were making it tough, tough. Yeah. On him. Like it was hard for him to get to the rim and like, they weren't even necessarily like doubling super hard. I like no. Al Horford and, and Grant Williams were playing really good one-on-one defense with them. The man had six turnovers. So like, you yeah. know, for the Bucks, it starts with Giannis needing to be better than than he was tonight. I Absolutely. think for him, it's it's still too easy to just goad him into taking jumpers. Um, and for me, like that's one of the the bigger flaws in his game, if there is any. For like you know a two time MVP, you know you're kind of yeah kind of got a nitpick when it comes to a guy like this. But like you, I really wish he would stop making it so easy on defenses by taking as many of them like there's really no reason for him to have four three-point attempts. Like, you know, you're, you're helping them make this an inefficient game for you. So that's something he needs to clean up for, for Milwaukee to have success in my opinion, but you're, you're right. Like not having Chris Middleton was, was really brutal for them, you know, to not like have that extra release valve 
as somebody who's a shooter but could also put it on the floor and attack a close out like you know Grayson Allen you don't got the size you might get off for 20 in that bowl series yeah. but you know Boston not here. <laughs> yeah, they shutting that down like they not yeah. letting that happen so you know they they're gonna need some some of the others to start you know filling in stepping up like Brooke Lopez is gonna need to give them more offensively as well you know West foul trouble too I think yeah yeah I mean and Drew Holiday like inefficient last year's mm-hmm. playoffs as an offensive player as well like yep. you know he, he wasn't really someone I you know loved for for the Bucks adding to this team because of some of his offensive deficiencies but you know they're gonna need more from him especially with Middleton out like you are yeah. the de facto second option like so you know you, you gotta you gotta come with some results in my opinion um but yeah I, I don't know you know I think I think Boston kind of has this right now. I think they're getting more from their bench guys and a, a little bit more depth with the Middleton injury out, but yeah. I do think it'll be a long series. Yeah, I just I have a lot of respect for what Giannis can do and I've you know, we've all seen him be able to just absolutely take over a game. We've seen him take over for multiple games in a row, you know, we saw him do it in the finals. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of that, I just think that he had, today was a bad game for him. All the stars in the NBA have bad games in the playoffs at one point or another. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. And I do totally agree with you about the Drew Holiday part of it, because, you know, he, he he was brought in to be a third option, but now with Middleton now, he just needs to be better. He needs to take better shots you know, we, we need to stop seeing these seven of 19, seven of 21 games. And, you know, I know we they're asking a lot of him on the defensive end because he has to take turns on, on Drew Holiday or um, on Jalen Brown and on Jason Tatum and when Marcus Smart is playing. But at the same time, man, like this, this is why they brought you in. This is why they're paying mm-hmm. you all that money. Like we, you need to be a little better. Yeah, yeah, because I think like, offensively he's hit like some real rough lows and you know Mm -hmm. like at at a certain point I think that that's inexcusable you just got to start shooting better than that and you know you're all he he's Drew Holiday he's always going to have a tremendous impact on the floor defensively even when the shot's not falling but like you know give give Bud a reason you know more of a reason to want you out there like give give the Bucks more benefit from than that than just you know the fact that you're going to play elite defense because you know they, they can they could have went out and found like you know Matisse a Matisse Thibel for that but you know they want they want right. something from you offensively too Drew so you know they're you're gonna actually need to come with it and, you know there's there's some injury implications on on this series that you know put more of a demand on you so 100 just, just is what it is you know and I, I that's what I kind of want to get into is the star battle on both sides because you know that's another thing I think is really shifting the series more uh you know towards the Celtic side as days go on without Chris Middleton is the fact that they have two guys that they can rely on they have Jason Tatum but yeah. they also have Jalen Brown who went off for 25 points in the first half of the second game um you know and was merciful enough to kind of quiet down in the <laughs> second half yeah because man it looked like he was not going to miss anything and when he got to 25 I'm like man he's gonna he's getting 40 tonight yeah. So, you know, only finishes with what with uh I think you said 30, was it? I don't even think it was 
because he once that first half ended like it looked like the whole the whole system kind of started failing yeah. for for he finished with yeah 30 30. 30 so he only had five points in the second half and that that was an issue that i think the celtics ran into in, in game one where they were kind of settling for a lot of threes like and that that's the thing like if you're making them that that's totally okay keep shooting you're gonna blow this team out but the minute you start missing and missing multiple shots in a row that gives the other team a chance to get out in transition that gives the other team a chance to settle down chip away at the score and it got down to i think i think like 15 or 12 at one point maybe even 10 at one point if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and there was a point there was like five minutes left and i'm like there's still yeah. some time here like if the Bucks can hit a couple of shots, like this could be a really, really rough ending to the game for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they turned it around. They were able to clamp down, get some stops. Um, it'll be interesting to see what um, Bud is able to come up with to kind of get more favorable matchups for Giannis because he was feasting when literally anyone else but Grant Williams and Al Horford were on him. Like Robert Williams is a great player. I think he's a great role player for them. He elevates their defense, but Robert Williams stands absolutely no chance against Giannis. He gets pushed out of the way half the time. Um, And, you know, who knows? Al Horford looked like he was 10 years younger today. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't know what got into him, Um, but, you know, we'll see if he's able to keep this, this momentum going heading into the, the rest of this series, but I'm with you, man. Tatum and Giannis both had um, tremendous, tremendous year, uh, years this whole season. Um, it's hard to pinpoint. I was having this conversation on the off the ball network chat the other day. I'm like, how many players right now this season are you taking over those two guys? You know, if you're talking about Tatum, you might take, you know, Giannis, you might take an Embiid or a Jokic maybe, but the list is pretty small. And, you know, we, yeah. we got to be talking about that leap that Jason Tatum has been making into kind of this superstar status. Yeah. He's, he's made that leap into like, into that top like five. I really hate to do like official rankings, but I think I, yeah. I prefer tiers. I, I have them somewhere like 10 through six. So, you yeah, know, absolutely. That's, if you're, argue- that's if you're arguing, he's yeah. a, t- he's, you know, I won't get mad if you're arguing mm-hmm. he's even like five, you know, yeah, this year based on based on what he did defensively. You know, we, we saw what we what he did against Kevin Durant, both offensively and defensively. You know, I'm not going there to say he's better than Kevin Durant yet, but, mm-hmm. you know, he he had a tremendous year and he's definitely he's putting himself in that top 10 conversation, top five conversation. Yeah. And and absolutely want to point out his his growth as a passer, because like Ooh, he yes. averaged you know seven assists last round he had mm-hmm. eight assists this game and you know Jason Tatum is just becoming you know a lot more consistent making the reads when he attracts two on the ball you know he's making those kickouts more consistently and that's another reason that Boston's offense is, is super dangerous because you know they're really trusting each other and moving the ball you know and you know I, I you pointed out that they're really selling for threes but you know, I, I got to admit that I really do like the, the ball movement that is leading to the threes because it's it's coming on these driving kicks and right. you know, the the ball movement of it is it's really great to watch. It ends in some, you know, really nice possessions for them. So, you know, I think Jason Tatum is really one of the pieces who's at the head of that, along with Marcus Smart. So, you know, shout out to this team. Um, I also want to like get to, to the Giannis thing because, man, as good of defenders is uh you know Williams and Horford are 
you got to take that matchup personal. You yeah. you can't you can't have those two guys guarding you and saying <laughs> right. they they kind of locked you up. Like you know you're the two time MVP best player in the world. Like he needs to come out next game and just like it doesn't matter who you're putting on me. I'm still getting to the post. I'm still putting these post hooks over you. I'm still dunking the ball. Like I'm still getting these zero steps in transition because for a while, like during that first half, like the, the only points he could score were points in transition. They were completely stalling everything in the half court for him. Like right. we mentioned the six turnovers, like, you know, be a little stronger holding the ball. Like when you see those double teams coming, you know, be smarter getting rid of it encourage your team teammates to cut that's another thing like his teammates are going to have to cut when you know he attracts that help is why they can't just be standing around um but you know I, let's let's get into our, our overall thoughts and predictions on the series so we can you know, transition into the next one i want to i want to get most of your time really uh dedicated on my on my warriors uh series man dude, this this one's tough because like I said at the beginning, I, I really think this is, is going the distance. I think mm-hmm. there's no way it ends in less than six games. Um, if Giannis is this world beater that we saw like in the finals last year, no matter who's in front of him, I don't think that the Celtics have that much of a chance if he's playing like that. But based on how they have been defending him, we don't know what he's going to do to bounce back. If Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both hitting their shots, it's going to be very hard to keep up with those two. So based off of that, I'm going to go Bucks in seven. I think I think they can pull it off. I think it's going to go a long distance, and I trust Giannis in a game seven. So I'm going to go Bucks in seven. I, I really hope that's, that's what ends up happening because, you know, I, I really feel in my gut more Celtics in six on this because you know no Middleton right now I just I don't really love Giannis's help at the moment you know like I said I'm not a huge Drew Holiday fan you know I I think just like as far as top end talent we're talking about the best player on the on each team Giannis is you know a tier two tiers above Jason Tatum right but you know as far as like next from there like Jalen Brown really good like you know, Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, Al Horford, Robert Williams, like they have a bunch of talent other other than those guys. And then like on Giannis's side of the ledger, it's like Drew Holiday, kind of like fringe all-star guy. And like Middleton's out and like Brooke Lopez, solid defender sometimes. Put, put some respect on Bobby Portis's name. I, you're, you're right. I, I, def, <laughs> I got it. I got to shout out Crazy, crazy Eyes because what was he like the, the second uh, leading scorer for them tonight or something like? He had 13. I mean, it's not like anyone else scored all that much. <laughs> Him and Pat both had 13. But hey, man. Like- oh, oh, yeah, Drew had 19. But man, yeah, I'm a huge Bobby fan. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm with you. There's, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Brooke Lopez yeah. had two points. I don't think Brooke Lopez is going to have two points again in this series. Um, Wes Matthews took two shots the entire game. Like, you're telling me. You know, you do this little Hawkeye celebration every time you hit a three, <laughs> you can't take more than than one three. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, if, if Giannis gets semblance of a little bit of help and some dudes start hitting shots, I think I think it's going the distance. But, you know, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that could be. I'm hoping you're right, honestly. I, I would love to be wrong on this one. But, you know, let's let's actually get into this Mavericks Sun series because this one is, you know, another really good matchup. This Absolutely. has been a, a matchup of styles, like, a really, really big Phoenix team 
um, mm-hmm. versus this small ball Mavs team. So, you know, first I want to, you know, I think as a Golden State fan, I think I know what your answer is probably going to be, but I'm curious which is going to be like, uh, you know, your favorite to watch in this matchup. Man, it's tough because as much as I like, not I don't like actually, but as much as I can agree that Chris Paul is a great player, I absolutely cannot stand Chris <laughs> Paul. Um, and realistically, I think Luca is by far head and shoulders the best player in this series. Mm-hmm. The Suns were actually beating the brakes off of the Mavs in the beginning of the game. And towards the end, once things got settled down, once Luca kind of slowed down the tempo of the game, he was getting everything that he wanted what did he end with 45 40, 12 yeah. and 8 like <laughs> yeah. that isn't and it and the thing is sometimes with Luca, like he's taking so many shots and half the time you're just like what is, what is this dude's efficiency but he was shooting 50 percent from the field and like 40 percent from three and he got to the free throw line bridges couldn't stay in front of him crowder couldn't stay in front of him booker definitely couldn't stay in, no one could stay in front of him so they don't have anyone to guard Luca. the problem was that Jalen Brunson was six of 16. The problem was Reggie Bullock had more fouls than points. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. wasn't getting any help. And it's, it's similar to, to what we're talking about with Giannis. If he gets a little bit of help, like if Maxi Kleber doesn't have that really scary fall where it looked like he really hurt himself, who knows? Maxi Kleber makes a couple yeah. more threes and it's a completely different game. They got it down to five with like 30 seconds left. I can guarantee you the Suns were not comfortable with that lead. The issue too, though, with Luca is the fact that he's, we know he's not that great of the defender. So what the Suns are doing is that they're putting him in every single action. They're getting him ISOed on Booker. He's not going to be able to guard Booker. They're getting him ISOed on Chris Paul. They're putting him in the pick and roll. So he's expending a lot, a lot of energy on the defensive end. And he's still playing. I think he played 44 minutes or something crazy like that. So I think this is another, I know I keep saying a lot of these series are going to go the distance, but I really think that if Luca gets a little help, even from Jalen Brunson or, you know, whomever, Spencer Dinwiddie too, like he, he was a, a non-factor in this game as well. So if he gets a little help, you know, Luca's going to be carrying most of the load. I, I think they, they can push this to seven. Uh, granted, I, I think Phoenix is going to win in seven games because they just have the overall better team. But I like the chances that the that the Mavericks have simply because Luca's on the court. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Luca's scoring forty five points. Like, you know, if he got some contributions from the others, like we could have could have had a different result here. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, I believe he didn't even score until the second half. Like, they they need more than that from him. Yeah, and, man. Like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean. You can't be doing that in the playoffs, bro. Like they they brought you in one to obviously if Luca were to get hurt, they brought you in to to make a contribution if the star player is out. But you you're telling me you can't give me. I'm gonna look up exactly how many points he had because that was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he had yeah eight, eight points. points. Yeah, eight like you're telling me you can't give me 15 off the bench in 30 minutes. Like Maxi Kleba had 19 yeah. and like. You know what I mean? Like, it's things like that, man. And Dorian Finney-Smith, I love Dorian Finney-Smith. He's a solid defender, played 40 minutes, had 15 points, some solid efficiency. 
But again, he he's the one that's tasked with guarding Chris Paul and Devin Booker and all these guys. So I, I think that I think the Mavericks have a good shot, man. But you know, realistically speaking, we're talking about styles as well. Aiton is eating up the the opposing Oof. bigs on on the Mavericks. Like they don't yeah. have it. Like Dwight Powell is not going to guard Aiton. Um, you know, who else are they throwing in there? That's that's. Uh, that's their yeah, other big Kleber, Bertans, yeah, yeah, Kleber, got eight minutes. <laughs> like Bertans is food on defense. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's going to be one of those things where you kind of have to pick your poison. Um, and it looks like Phoenix is kind of doing that too, where they're like, okay, you know, quote unquote, we're going to let Luca get his, but we're going to shut down absolutely everyone else, you know, and Jalen Brunson took 16 shots, only made six, you know, it looked like after, after Booker told him he was a, a short ass, you know, all this stuff that he, uh, mm. that he kind of got like, Oh damn. All right. There's the playoffs, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how, how they bounce back, man. I Luke is one of those players where any game he's going to put a 50 point triple double on your head and you don't know what's going to hit you and they could win any game that he's in, but he's, he's going to be needing a little bit more from, from the complimentary players that he has. Yeah, I think what gives me pause with the Mavericks is is their uh, front court, and you know, like you like you said, DeAndre Ayton was eating against all their bigs, and like the only real stretch where they kind of conceivably slowed him down, stopped him, was in the second half, kind of in the garbage time minutes, really. So you know, take take that for for what you will. Um, right. But when they had Dorian Finney-Smith at the five, and yeah. you know, I think long term, uh, Dallas needs to look at you know, adding an actual center, you know, maybe, a, maybe a go bears, yep. someone like that, that they've been rumored to, but, you know, still having someone that they can, you know, run a small ball look with, because I think that's still going to be a very good offense to run with Luca, but I think they need some kind of bigger option because you're in a conference where you're going to run up into Deandre Ayton. You're going to run up into a guy like uh, Nikola Jokic, you're, you're going to run Anthony up into, Davis, you know, yeah. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Davis, if the Lakers can get their, their things together. And you know what, we're talking about the playoffs. I don't want to talk <laughs> about the Lakers. So we're going to, I'm going to completely start past them. So, you know, there's some, some big, big dudes. And like, you know, hypothetically you get out of your conference, you could potentially be facing a Joel Embiid, uh, you know, potentially fit. Yeah, yeah. Giannis, you know, or even Carl Anthony Towns in your conference. So yeah, you know, I, I, that's, that's the, the next step I think really for, for Dallas, um, and that's kind of why I generally don't think they're, they're going to beat Phoenix this series. I, I don't think they have enough. Extremely happy for, for Luka to get out the first round for the first time. The Dallas Mavericks as a franchise to get out the first round for the first time since 2011, which is right. you know kind of an absurd Same, stat. Man. But, you know, get some playoff experience added for this group. Um, you know, maybe it could have helped if they had a guy like Hardaway Jr., but if they're able to push Phoenix to like six games, I take that as a win right now. So, you know, I, I I would, I kind of give them like a dark horse chance of winning the series. If I'm going to be honest, just because of, I can see it because of how good I think Luka is as a player, like, you know, I'm going to give him a puncher shot, but at the same time, like the way this Phoenix team has been clicking, you know, the way their offense just always finds the flaws in your, in your defense, they always find the holes. Like, right. you know, they're like, they're going to dump it down to Aiden and ask him to score in ways that Utah just was not going to do with Gobert. And right, right now Dallas has no answer for that. And on top of what 
you know, Phoenix can do with their guards. Like, I think it's just going to be too overwhelming for Dallas right now. Even if I do think they have the best player, Phoenix has so many more weapons that, you know, it's, it's a one man versus army right now. Yeah. They're the one thing about Phoenix that I will always give them credit for, even though they have a lot of players that I just simply cannot stand is that they're very, (laughs) they're very methodical. They're very surgical in the way they do things. And obviously with, Chris Paul kind of at the head of that, he he knows when it's time to, all right, I need to get a bucket. I can get to my spots and get a bucket, you know, as much as it, it really irks me when he does the little rip through move to get him Ugh. to the line. Like it, it's things like that, that as like basketball fans were like, 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 why are you doing that? But yeah. as like a competitor, I understand why he's doing that, you know, cause I'm just like, that's smart of him to do that because one, he's getting this player, another foul. He's stopping the game. He's getting a bucket. Mm-hmm. And all that falls into his favor. You know, I don't like it. I don't stand it, but I understand why he does it. Um, totally. So with that being said, I, I do think that, the, like you said, the Phoenix Suns are just the better team. It is Luka against everyone. And having that type of player is going to give you a fighter's chance. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to go Phoenix in seven just because I think they're going to be the better team mm-hmm. closing it out at home. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was going to probably say I lean more towards uh, Phoenix in six. But you know, I can see seven as well. Like like we talked about, Luke is a star, so you might you hey, might if, really if the him. Pelicans can take them to six, man, I think, <laughs> I think Luca Facts. can take them to seven. But we'll Facts. we'll just have to see. You know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they the Suns just turn it up and close it in mm-hmm. five or four. You know, who knows? It, that could happen Facts. too. Okay. Well, I want to get to to Warriors Grizzlies because you know, been waiting uh, on this one. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 gonna clear out. I'm gonna give you the floor. <laughs> because like I said, the point of this, the point of this whole entire podcast, the entire show is the fact that you're a Warriors fan, you're the Warriors expert, and you know, you're telling us about your team. So, you know, let's talk about the the ejections, the physicality of this series. Is it dirty? Who's the dirty player? You know, we, we we've gotten some quotes. We've gotten a lot in this series. It's been interesting. So, you know, let me just clear out and, and uh, you know, I'll let you, you know, give us your thoughts. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said at the beginning of the show, we just we're recording this right after um, the Grizzlies beat the Warriors. Uh, I think 106, 101, something like that. Jaw went absolutely nuts at 47, yeah. you know, eight and nine. Crazy, crazy game by Jaw. Um, I will start off by saying that I told you in the little intermission that we had. Mm-hmm. Gary Payton has a fractured elbow because of that absolutely dirty play from Dylan Brooks. Um, if there's Memphis fans out there, I, I don't think that you guys can possibly look at that and be okay with a player doing that. Gary Payton was literally in the air, already ready to make a layup or dunk the ball. The dude didn't even aim for the ball, completely swiped on his head. He fell down, fractured his elbow, and we say that like, Oh, it's basketball. It might happen, but it's just like, it's more than that, man. Like you don't go hit a player while he's halfway in the air. When you know damn well, the the type of consequences that can happen. Now it's big for the warriors because Gary Payton was the primary defender on John Moran. And he was doing a phenomenal job of not letting John Moran get 47 points. You know, he got, I think (laughs) 30 last game, but if he gets 30 this game, they don't win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now the Warriors don't have that point of attack defender that they can put 
on on John Morant. And even far beyond that, you you injure a player that you know, like he's gonna be a big part of what the Warriors do moving forward. So that's gone. You don't I don't know how quickly he can come back from a fractured elbow. Um, from what I know, like fractures heal pretty quickly, but then you have to get into game ready shape um, mm-hmm. and all of this other stuff that within the playoffs, it's almost impossible to be able to do. Um, I do think that a lot of the things that the Grizzlies were doing were dirty. I never, I never want to always say like, Oh, like the, the officiating is making a huge difference and this and that, but like, the first, the ejection in game one from Draymond Green, um, I don't know what your thoughts on are on, on it are, but I personally think, like, it it didn't warrant a flagrant two. Like, I would have been okay with the flagrant because there was kind of uh, an excessive swipe down that he did, but he tried to brace his fall and grabbing his jersey, right? So mm-hmm. I think a flagrant one would have been perfectly reasonable and part of the game, but you eject Draymond Green, a lot of the calls, there was a clear out-of-bounds call that went clearly off, I think, Brandon Clark in game one. Oh, yeah. And, like, it was clear as day, yeah. man. There's three referees looking at the same and play. And just jump all it. <laughs> and, yeah, jump. Like, come on, man. Like, what, what are we doing here? Mm. And, you know, it, it might be the my bias, but I was telling – I was watching this game with my folks, and I told them, I was just like, if they don't win this game, it's going to be fine. But – the basketball gods are a real thing and they don't smile upon things like this, man. Like they, everyone knows what happened. Everyone knows it was dirty and heading back to the Bay. I think it's going to be completely different. I think the Warriors absolutely do need to lock in because especially this game, clay was absolutely awful. He was forcing his shots again. He was, I think at one, I think he ended five of 19, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. just terrible, terrible shooting. Um, he, he hit a stride against the nuggets where he was able to just get his shots off in the flow of the offense. And that's what makes clay so good because he's one of the best, if not the best catch and shoot, uh, three point shooter in, in NBA history. Like that's what you want him to do. You don't want him taking 10 dribbles, trying to get into the lane, fading away to his left. Like that's not what we need clay to do. He, yeah, 5 of 19, 2 of 12 from 3, Steph, 11 of 25, 3 of 11. You know, just overall really, really inefficient game from all of the Warriors. So I'm, although I'm, I'm mad that they lost this game, I'm more upset over the fact that Gary Payton is hurt. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, I don't think that they're going to be shooting this poorly again with everyone shooting poorly like Wiggins was shooting poorly Clay Steph Poole everyone shot poorly at the beginning of the game Draymond was out because he got a laceration in his eye he had to get stitches on his eye his eye was literally almost closed so with all that being said Memphis won by five having an outrageous game from John Morant so I don't I don't think that's happening again this series I'll tell you that much and it's it's funny to me because it's always the teams that have never won anything that are always the ones to talk. And I'm all for the trash talk. I'm all for, you know, especially now with 
like this generation of um of Grizzlies player because they're I say generation because I most of them are all younger than I am but a lot of these guys like Dylan Brooks was calling this team a dynasty a dynasty in the making right like this team hasn't won a playoff series since uh Mike Conley and Tony Allen and Marcus Gasol was there and he's talking about they're starting a dynasty then you know we got Jaron Jackson tweeting out strength and numbers and all this stuff <laughs> and I'm like like man get out of the first round, win a couple games in the second round, maybe make a conference finals. And then you can start, you know, puffing your chest out being like, okay, uh, we're about this, but you know, like it's, it's always the teams that haven't ever won anything that always have the most to say. I don't know, man, I have a really bad taste in my mouth from this Memphis team. I, I enjoyed watching them during the regular season. I'm, I'm a huge jaw guy. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player but it's it's really ridiculous what we've seen happen in these these first two games in my opinion yeah it, i mean all i'll say is that you know i've really enjoyed watching the games but it's been it's one of those series where it's like man i'd really hate if this was like my team in this series because the physicality of it like the way it's getting personal too, like especially amongst the fans, like yeah, Grizzlies fans and Warriors fans are on on social media beefing right now. Like it is nuts. Yeah, man. I mean, from a from a basketball perspective, kind of letting the emotions out of the way, I guess. Um, I was worried heading into the series that the Memphis Grizzlies have a ton of players who are great at rebounding. They were the number one offensive rebounding team during the regular season that was a big part of why they were so good they got second chance points they forced a ton of turnovers they score a ton of points off of the turnovers and that's kind of what has been the Warriors Achilles heel right physicality and you know turning the ball over very carelessly at times you know Steph did it a bunch of times tonight during the game just really really nonchalant stupid passes that we're completely tell like we're sitting on our couch watching this game. And I'm like, Steph, I, I, I'm out there. I could have stolen that, bro. Like, why are you throwing that pass? You know what I mean? But I thought that in the first game, they did a great, the Warriors did a great job of kind of matching that physicality and that intensity, especially with Draymond out of the game, because mm-hmm. like as a Warriors fan, like we know what Draymond brings to the team. We know that he's kind of the, the heart and soul Um, We know that he takes a little bit away from the offense because of his reluctance to to shoot the basketball at times, but there's no denying that he's a great playmaker, that he's, you know, arguably the the best defender of of this generation. So losing him was big. Once he went out, I was just like, ooh, it's going to be kind of dicey to pull out this game. And, you know, granted, shots fell that uh, in game one that didn't fall today and that that's just basketball but i i wonder if the grizzlies are going to do something more along the lines of trying to go maybe smaller that seemed to work a little bit more today i saw more uh d'anthony melton in the game you know tillman got a little bit more of a run um because i mean brandon clark was in there but after wiggins dunked on him at the beginning like it was kind of like he was hit or miss for, for the majority of the game. Um, I do think that they need to try to ride pool a little bit more. He's 
literally the only other guy on the Warriors that can create his own shot off the bounce. Um, I would like to see Poole stop trying to, you know, cross over the same guy four times before <laughs> deciding to, yeah. to go to the hole. It's like, dude, like, lit, I'm, I don't think he's as quick as, as jaw going to the hole, but his first step is very fast. Like if he has one crossover and then takes that first step, there's no one that can stay in front of him. And I wish he would just kind of realize that like, okay, like these guys aren't able to stay in front of me. Let me get to the hole. Like he was doing against the nuggets. Now, granted this Memphis Grizzlies team is a lot better than the nuggets team. And they have better personnel to, to be equipped to deal with that. But it's just one of those things where I think Poole has to has to learn, has to live through it to be able to make those adjustments. And I don't know if if you saw it in the group chat when when I mentioned it, when there was a guy in our group chat that said that he thought Poole was or had been the best player on the team for for quite a while. And I said that I think he's benefiting obviously from playing alongside Steph and Clay and and Draymond and getting mentored by guys like uh, by like Iguodala and stuff like that. But that I wanted to see how he would bounce back from having a poor game. So he, he was phenomenal. The first three games of the nugget series, then kind of was okay. Decent kind of bad the next few games. And then game one against Memphis, he was phenomenal Had 31, eight and nine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game, he was a little bit more nonchalant, a little bit careless with the basketball. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back, especially in San Francisco. Now they know that they're not going to have Gary Payton, who was a huge part of the rotation in this series. So it'll be. And, oh, and one other adjustment that I really hope they make is I feel like they need to put similar to what we talked about with Luca. I think they need to put jaw in a lot more actions where he's isolated on Jordan Poole, where he's isolated on Steph. I like that matchup, you know, like John mm-hmm. might get a quick swipe and get a steal maybe, but chances are like, he's not going to try to keep up with Steph coming downhill or, or, uh, or Jordan Poole. Like, I don't think he can stay in front of them. So yeah, I was like to... swiping at the ball. He's going to get blown past. Exactly. And I think that's something that they should kind of try to go at just to one, maybe get jaw into foul trouble or two, just, make him exert more energy. Like the dude played 40 minutes today and he still put up 47 points. Like that, that is ridiculous. And Jaw, you know, credit to him, man. He was, he was mm-hmm. in his bag. Like there was, there was layups that he was making that you just go like, bro, like how, how are you even like hitting the proper yeah. spot in the backboard to make the ball go in? Like it's, it's crazy, man. But it's similarly to what prime Russell Westbrook, was kind of doing to to the Warriors back in the day. Like there was a time where we we had no answer for Prime Russell Westbrook. He was just so explosive, so fast. Once he came downhill, it's just like you kind of have to get out of the way, or else it's going to be an and mm-hmm. one dunk like in your face. So it, it'll be interesting to see what what adjustments they make going forward, especially because I think I think they need to win these next two games i i don't want to go back to memphis tied to a piece i don't want to go back obviously down 3-1 to memphis because <laughs> that that wouldn't be good for anyone yeah. um but i i think these next two games are 
are essentially the series. If the Warriors can pull these off, they'll be up 3-1, go back to Memphis. Then they have a couple of chances to close it out there. But if even if they go down 2-1, to they need to absolutely get at least one of these at home because going back 3-1 down in Memphis, well, I don't think it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but... You know, crazier things have happened in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see Golden State going ahead and winning both of those, but I also think Memphis is a team that's not really going to care about you know having to play on the road because yeah, no, they're not know, rattled. Yeah, they're they're living yeah. off of it. They they kind of yeah. want it. They want to shush that crowd. So absolutely, you know, that's going to hype them up. But you know, I think the Warriors will also be up for the fact, like you know, Gary Payton. You know, they're going to want to play and want to play well in honor of him and, and the fact that he's injured. So I think that's going to add like another element of intensity for them where, you know, they're not going to be as lackadaisical. Some of those shots, they're, they're really going to be focused and, you know, maybe Clay won't be pressing as hard. I, I think they're really going to have a, you know, a next level focus coming into this next game. Um, and so I'm going to be very, very curious to see how how Memphis responds. Um, one thing I do want to want to say, kind of point out, like uh, I, I'm actually not as bothered by Memphis's trash talking as you are, like many other people have been. I actually kind of encourage it, you know, to be honest, because I feel like, you know, generally in the NBA, we hear a lot of complaints about like there are no more rivalries. Players don't trash talk, but this team like they don't they don't really care like. I, I get what you say about, you know, kind of needing accomplishments to back up that trash talk. But I also feel at the same time, like, you know, Magic Johnson was talking trash straight out of college. You know, Jordan was talking trash straight out of college. Like, it, it didn't matter. Like, and, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily talking trash to, like, the top players in the league at the time. But, like, they, I feel like they didn't care. You know, those were guys. Those were guys. They, they had, were the top players coming <laughs> in, though. That's the thing. They were already hella good when they came in. And you know? Ja's hella good. I don't, I don't mind Ja. Tra- like, that, that thing where people got, like, all upset because he posted that Jordan meme. I'm like, if random. Oh, I, NBA, I didn't care about that. Like, if. if <sighs> It, it's people get so weird about the, about their trash talking. I I really do enjoy this Memphis Grizzlies team. Um, you know, like even even the trash talking thing, I'm I'm all in for it because you know they've been backing it up all season. I mean, you know they can go ahead and call themselves a dynasty if you're gonna go ahead and then also you know get the record for wins for your franchise that year. And then, you know, make it out the first round like you haven't done before and like be competitive against Golden State. Like, yeah, you're going to eventually need to start winning unless those and those Colts will come back to heart, like, you know, on you if they don't. But, you know, I don't mind it for now. Like they're young, they're, you know, setting goals for themselves, speaking things into existence and, you know, chasing after things and actually making it look pretty realistic is, you know, a lot of people are, are really surprised by that because, with Memphis, I noticed like with their trajectory, what happened with their season, like there were some early adopters when Memphis was good that were like, hey, like this team has this statistical profile of like a title contender. And there was immediate pushback to that because Memphis is a young team. And, you know, the, there were critics that were like, I don't believe in them. They're a young team. This is just the regular season thing. And the fact that they've been this good in the playoffs, like, got to give them their props and got to give them their due, I think. I see where you're coming from, but also, like, I don't know. It's not it's not so much posting the Jordan pick, things like that. It's also, like, that, like the, the air – I don't want to seem, like – because I'm, I'm all for, like, 
talking trash during the game. Like I love when they're talking to each other because I would be a hypocrite saying I don't I, I don't like that they're talking trash, but Draymond Green talk, talks trash every chance he gets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Do you consider any of the Warriors players dirty? I don't really, for me, like, I don't really consider many players dirty in general. Right. But, I mean, generally speaking, Dylan Brooks, last year, I'm pretty sure led the league in fouls. Like, I I am all for playing, you know, your heart out. I'm all for playing really, really tough defense mm-hmm. and all of this stuff, man. But when it gets to the point where you're being dirty about it, like, the arrogance is being matched by dirtiness as well, that, that's when it's an issue for me because, like, you don't see – you don't see Clay trying to, you know, when Jaw's going up for – for a dunk the way he does no one's trying to land underneath the jaw or take him out in the middle of the air knowing damn well what can happen if you do that you know what i mean yeah and it's just like there's times where the way they they conduct themselves and it's not just like it's not one specific player but a lot of times like a lot of the dudes on 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 memphis will be kind of you know, like they'll be throwing elbows in like Brandon Clark kind of mm-hmm. threw like a hand swipe at, at Wiggins, like for, for no reason, bro. Like I, I've, I've played basketball. Like I know what it's like to, to box out. I know what it's like to kind of try to get physical, but it gets to the point where it's just like, dude, like there's really no need for you to be wailing your elbows in your hands and then be complaining that you get called for a foul. You know what I mean? And that, that's the stuff that irks me. The, the talk that's matched with dirtiness and then the dirtiness is, is met with complaints when things aren't going your way as well. You know what I mean? So, that, so that's yeah. what I mean. And I've never liked Dylan Brooks. I'm going to say that. I'm yeah, gonna keep he's, a he's he, he, he like, is a hack. He like I, he's one of those guys where few players in the NBA have ever got up to that level of, you know, fuck you to me, but he's definitely up there. Same with Danny Green, but I think Dylan Brooks has kind of surpassed that as public enemy number one for sure. But, okay. you know, keeping all the feelings aside, I think that this is going to be a great series going down the stretch. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Like, it's definitely been a long time coming. These last two years being a Warriors fan, I haven't felt like the anxiety, the damn what's going to happen in this the game. Playoff feeling. stuff, yeah. Yeah, the playoff stuff, you know, it – even in that game that they lost to to Denver in the first round, I was just like, damn, you know, like kind of get you that, mm. that gut punch. Um, but that that's what playoffs are, man. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all fans. We're all trying to watch good basketball. You know, I'm, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if Memphis was able to get out of the series. I would not be surprised, you know, but I do think that the Warriors have, much more championship experience they've been there i'm a huge believer in you know you have to have some playoff struggles you know not every mm-hmm. team does obviously but if we look back at a lot of the championship teams from the past at one point or another they've either lost multiple years in a row in the playoffs whether it be first round second round whatever it may be there's teams that have lost the finals too so 
based off of that, I'm going to go with the, you know, the experience and the composure that, that the Warriors have. And I think they, I think they win in six. So yeah. that's going to be my, that's going to be my prediction. I don't yeah, think we're, we're in alignment there. I, I'd say five or six, to be honest, too. I'm, I'm a real, you know, believer in, in what uh, Golden State does. I, honestly, Memphis worried me a little bit with their perform, performance in the first round. I, I felt like they should have handled business a little bit better. But, you know, I think Golden State's the better team and they'll probably have it wrapped up in, in uh, five or six games. I, I do, you know, want to transition away from the series and talk about some general Golden State things um, for the future oh. before we before we close out. Absolutely, um, and just like generally, you know, I'm you know curious what you think the Warriors' title window is, uh, you know, in the future. Like, you know, how long do you think this window is open as presently constructed with this current team? Um, you know, that's that's a that's a tricky question, just because I feel like Steph is such a unique player in that the sense that mm-hmm. you know he's 34 years old, but he's probably one of the most well-conditioned athletes in the NBA and unlike athleticism and explosiveness shooting and touch around the rim is something that generally doesn't go away um, with age because it's all just repetition, 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 right? So it's, it, he's the greatest shooter of all time. And I don't think that he's going to be 50 and he's going to be able to shoot the basketball. Right. (laughs) Um, And I do think that, it's funny because I, before I was solely on board that we needed to trade those picks before they became Kuminga and Moody um, and, you know, whomever the, the other younger guys have been, I'm like, you know what, this window, you need to take into account the core threes ages, especially everything that clay has come back from, um, you know, he's, he's been fine. He's had some phenomenal games. He's definitely turned back the clock a few times, but you, you can see that lack of explosiveness laterally. You know, he does have a little less quickness than he did before. And that's normal, right? Like he's not going to defy the laws of science and come back like prime Clay Thompson after those two injuries. Um, but I think that the front office made a great call in, seeing that the players that were available at the time weren't players that were going to propel them over the hump to where they really wanted to be. And now we've seen the development of Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole was really, really bad his first year on the dubs. Mm -hmm. He was terrible. And even, and even last year, like at the beginning of the year, it was still shaky, goes down to the G league, comes back a completely different player right and now it's just like now he's one of the players that might be in line for 25 percent of the salary you know of for for the dubs like they they might have to make that decision that hey we need jordan pool like he's getting mentored by steph curry he does a lot of steph curry things this could be the guy that kind of anchors this generation with the next and then they get guys that are still a little more raw with Kaminga, but no one can deny all the tools that Kaminga has. Like mm-hmm. the dude is six, seven, two twenty five, can jump out of the gym. He has a little bit better feel for the game Ooh, than I I'm initially glad you thought. mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Like his feel for the game is like if you look at James Wiseman, for instance, like Wiseman has all the athletic tools. Like he's seven, he's seven one or whatever. He has a crazy, crazy wingspan. But James Wiseman didn't have 
that feel that Kuminga does. Like he knows like, oh, Steph Curry's coming off of that split action. Let me get him the ball instead of trying to post up whoever on me. And little things like that makes it so I know for a fact that unless a, like a top five player in the NBA became available tomorrow, that the Warriors aren't going to trade any of those guys. And they're going to be, especially next year, Poole and Kuminga are going to be part of that rotation permanently, right? And then we have Moses Moody. Moody's mm. going to be one of those role players that can, you know, come in, hit a couple threes. He's also decent on defense. He's got long arms as well. And we haven't even seen what Wiseman can develop. I'm not going to give up on Wiseman yet. We've seen a lot of players. I'm not saying he's Joel Embiid, but Joel Embiid played, God, I don't know, 80 games in his first three years, maybe. Maybe if that, you know, and Wiseman hasn't had the chance to really show himself and assert himself into the lineup or anything. And maybe he doesn't pan out as a player that they expect. But at the same time, having those four guys, you have Poole, Kuminga, Moody, and Wiseman. That is a very, very solid young core to have moving forward when you also have all these other core pieces locked up for the foreseeable future, right? Like Steph's not going anywhere. Clay's not going anywhere. Draymond's not going anywhere, at least for the next two to three years. Now, with all that being said, I think that this year is their best shot at winning a championship simply because the West is going to be so much better next year. The Nuggets are going to be getting Jamal Murray back. Michael Porter Jr. left a lot to be desired, but I think he's one of those players that adds another dimension to an offense, especially given how good Jokic is. The Nuggets are going to be good. The Clippers are going to have Kawhi and Paul George back, in addition to Norman Powell, in addition to all these guys that got so much experience by not having those guys in the lineup, where otherwise they wouldn't have played. Like, Amir Coffey wouldn't have played this year if any of those guys were healthy, you know what I mean? But now he's mm-hmm. turned into a serviceable player, which they can, one, maybe package him in a tri- in a deal to try to get more help or just have him be one of those guys that comes off the bench and gives you solid minutes, which every team needs. You have all those guys. We don't know what's going to happen with Utah. You know, what if Gobert goes to Dallas? There's another problem right there with Luka and Gobert. You know, the Phoenix Suns have a very, very interesting summer this year with you know they don't know what they've they're going to do with Aiton Cam Johnson one might be one of those guys that gets pried away by another team simply because they're going to offer him more money you know there, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces we haven't even mentioned LeBron and Anthony Davis like yeah. that's always you know I mean LeBron's almost 40 years oh, old but he's you know, still we don't even got to talk about the Lakers yep there <laughs> playoffs are going on good basketball you know is going I mean? on we don't need to talk about that team it, but, it hurts, it hurts that's heart. also that's also something that's looming over the Western conference mm-hmm. as well. You know what I True. mean? And there's just a lot of bits and pieces. And it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning with the, with the Atlanta Hawks conversation that we're having is that you never know when you're going to be back. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the Warriors had that run where there was five straight finals. They lost two, they won three. Then they had two shitty years, very, very poor years, hit the bottom of the bottom. And now, you know, kind of, you know, as cliche as it sounds, kind of rising from the ashes and kind of finding that that new balance between old and new. Absolutely. So I don't think 
I don't think they make any trades, to be quite honest. I think the team that they have is the team they're going to bring back. I would love to see them give Gary Payton some money as well. I think he, he'll he be huge moving forward. He's still, I think he's, I think, 28 or 29. He's a little older, but, you know, that's that that could be a lineup, a starting lineup going into the future, you know, pool, uh, GP2, Moody, Kuminga, and Wiseman. Like, you you take a look at a lot of younger prospects that teams have, and it's just like, and that's that's a pretty good bank of assets to have right now. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I want to close out on, you know, kind of a hypothetical question. Um, you know, it's it's funny you actually mentioned that you you don't want them to make any trades, but you know, I still want to get your thoughts on this trade suggestion anyway. Sure. Like like I said, I teased this earlier. I have a fake Rudy Rudy Gobert trade proposal. I suggested right. this to my brother who's a dubs fan, but I want to get your thoughts as well. All right. My thoughts are that, you know, Andrew Wiggins is not long for the team. You know, that that rotation spot, that salary size, that's something that's going to go over to Jordan Poole, um, you know, some point in the near future. Right. Why not try and cash in Andrew Wiggins as an asset, pair him with Wiggins, maybe a future protected pick, and, you know, put that offer up to Utah for Rudy Gobert. I think he fits a position of need at the center. Um, you know, I right. think he defensively provides you know some of the things golden state needs i think he can fit in lineups with draymond and they're a team that you know you have draymond so it's not like you need to play him at the center for 35 minutes every playoff game you can afford to take him out and go small so you know that's kind of my my thought i think it may be like the best destination for gobert and i think it could be something that for you know pretty formidable for for the warriors because Draymond's used to playing with a, a center who can't shoot. He played a bunch of minutes with Kevon Looney. Like, you know, I don't think it'll be as bad on the offense as I, you know, might initially want to think. But I just want your thoughts on that. So while I, I do agree that, I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see uh, a center of that caliber on the Warriors because realistically we haven't had a very good center because one – the Warriors haven't needed to have a great center sure. because the small ball lineup has always worked, especially, you know, when they had Kevin Durant, it didn't matter who they played. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was GG's rega- regardless, you know, <laughs> and Rudy Gobert makes $41 million a year. Yeah. I, that, that number, like when I say it sounds nastier, the mm-hmm. more I think about it. And honestly, I thought about this the other day when I saw those same rumors. I'm like, the Warriors are not not going to pay Rudy Gobert $41 million. That would make him the second highest paid player on the Warriors behind Steph Curry. That means he's going to be making $16 million more than Draymond Green. Draymond Green's not going to have that. I don't think Draymond Green really likes That's Rudy a fair Gobert. Point. That's you know a what fair I mean? Point. And yeah. truthfully, and I think I'm like, speaking for a lot of Warriors fans here, when I say that all we have needed is someone to eat up minutes. Like that's all we need because at the end of the day, they're going to ride the small ball lineup till the wheels fall off. Like they're regardless of who they have at that. It could be Rudy Gobert. It could be miles Turner. It could be God. I can't think of another Rashawn Holmes or whomever, you know, it could be any of those guys at the end of the day, they're going to play Draymond at the five because it's worked time after time. And until they prove that it can't, doesn't work anymore is probably when they're going to switch it. And that's how Steve Kerr thinks. 
And I've said it since they didn't do anything at the trade deadline um, or the buyout market that all they need is a guy, for example, like Dwayne Dedman. That's someone who I think would fit both alongside Draymond because I've seen Dwayne Dedman be able to hit a couple threes. He's big body, right? Streaky, He's going to be, yeah. what's that? He's stre- streaky shooter. I, I don't right, know. Right, right, right. But, but yeah. I'm saying like, I see your point though. You know, and the thing that I, where I go with, with that is saying that someone like Dwayne Dedman can eat up 15 to 20 minutes so that Raymond Green doesn't have to play 40 minutes at center. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's, that's, I think, what happened at the beginning of the season. And that's why he got hurt was the Warriors were on this incredible pace. They were beating everyone. I think they were, I want to say, like 28 and six when Draymond got hurt, if I'm not mistaken. And from then on, they had a little bit more injuries, but they essentially were a 500 team to end the season. And a lot of that could have been avoided having another center or two to eat up minutes. And it's funny because before they were like always trying to have like five or six centers on the bench. (laughs) And now they don't have any before they had like Zaza and David West and JaVale McGee and like all these guys. And I'm like, bro, why, why couldn't you guys bring one of those guys, you know, to kind of eat up those minutes. So there's where I am at on, on the Rudy Gobert for Andrew Wiggins thing. I think that I think this coming year Wiggins, contract is in its last year so i feel like they're just gonna bring him back and let his contract expire um or try to like maybe get a restructure his deal to something more manageable because even for wiggins as much as i've liked what he's done you know 33 million or whatever he makes is oh it's a little too much for andrew wiggins you know what i mean and at the end of the day wiggins is more valuable to the warriors than he will be to any other team so i don't think that like i said unless a guy like Giannis became available they're not throwing the salary filler the assets for anyone else that's not named Giannis or Embiid or some player of that nature of that caliber yeah I mean and and I like I like the young guys you have so you know I don't mind seeing them flourish there but you know that that's kind of the last question I had to close it out you know I really appreciate you know giving me so much of your time I know you're really busy and your schedule is crazy right now so you know I really appreciate the fact that you're giving me extra time as well on top of that absolutely Um, you know with your schedule I I still want to give you the time to like plug anything if you know of anything you got coming up I'm not quite sure how your schedule is working but Mm -hmm. still want to give you the floor yeah man I really appreciate it like I said at the beginning um, you've always been one of my favorite guests to come on my pod Uh, for those of you that have I've listened to the all the high pod or haven't yet. I haven't had a chance to to put out any new episodes just because of school and work. Um, I'm transferring to to another university in the fall, so I've been trying to kind of square away all my academic part of of my life. So that's been taking quite some time. But the plan is to as soon as this month is over and school's over, to kind of hop back in, um, do a little off season show to kind of get things going again, get the flow going with the podcast. So if you guys want to look me up, it's all the high podcast, wherever you find your podcast, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, the, all the hype Twitter is at all the hype pod. Um, I usually, I haven't tweeted on there for a while for same reasons. I haven't really posted um, any episodes, but I tweet more on my main page. Um, it's B underscore Ruiz with four Z's. Um, you guys can find me there. 
I'm also part of the Off the Ball Network, so hopefully you'll you'll check out some of the stuff over at the network. We have some great content for every sport. A fabulous website where you can you guys can get all our written work. So shout out to the guys over at Off the Ball um, for giving us such a such a great platform to to talk our talk. But again, man, I really appreciate you reaching out. I know you've been wanting to do this for a while, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry I've been kind of putting you off for, for quite a minute there, but I'm glad we, we got to do this. I'm glad it was a lo- uh, nice long episode as well. So you yeah, guys be- make sure you better late than never. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This amazing show, you know, glad to have had you on, um, you know, for all of our listeners, um, you know, support the show, um, support Brian as well, you know, go follow him, go support his show. Um, and, you know, Rate this show, like this show, wherever wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching um, on, on visual platforms as well. I'm going to be doing my best to, to keep this coming out consistently, trying to find new guests that are uh, fans of different teams, writers for different teams, so we can highlight and focus on those teams. You know, if you'd like, comment, leave reviews telling me guests and, and teams that you may want to see going forward. Um, also want to shout out the network, you know, off the ball network, shout out to, to the owner, Chris LeBron, you know, this opportunity, you know, to be on this network, to be on this platform has been really amazing. Something I've been chasing after. So glad to have it, um, you know, and thank you for everyone that's going to be riding on this journey with me. Yes, sir. 